afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Do you want to hear? I have some audio here. I was about to say, I, I want to hear Tony Khan attempt to weasel his Rick Moranis looking face. Oh, you out can't of say this. that. You can't say that. What? He doesn't look like Rick Moranis anymore. If you remember the early days of AEW, or if you ever see footage of or photos of him at one of the soccer matches, he has his glasses, he has a suit, thin tie, you know, very professional. He's now completely disheveled. He looks like a madman. He's dressed like a slob. He's not wearing his glasses. I don't know if it's because of the contact lenses or if he's just fucking high. But maybe he, he maybe he doesn't want to see this clearly. But he doesn't blink. Like he so he just has wide eyes open as and his hair's all over the place. He but looks now wait like a, a minute. Mess. Now wait a minute. A lot of people would take issue with you. They don't believe that Tony Khan went into this with his eyes wide open. How about with his wide eyes open? Maybe that. With his wallet open. How about that? With yeah, with wallet wide open. There you go. <laughs> Einar, Rocky, all of you. Uh, so, with eyes and wallet wide open. So this video's out there. I don't How know. How do you weasel out of it? I don't know if all the quotes are there, so I'm going to try to pull up the quotes in case he doesn't cover it all. But again, here is a rather disheveled looking young Mr. Khan talking about AEW Revolution. I'm going to press play. Now, now, can we play? We can play. It's a press conference. It's a press right? conference. Press, we can play this. It was a conference for us. And we're reviewing it, so we are covered. Go. But uh, someone who sent it to me said that the answer is covered within the first couple of minutes. So let's play this. Hi, Tony. Uh, great pay-per-view tonight. I was wondering if you could give us a status update on John Moxley and Kenny Omega, their condition after the match, how everything went. Both guys are great. Uh, you know, uh, honestly, I'm glad neither guy came out with a serious injury because it was a really oh, scary Jesus. match. And they both really put their health at risk for a huge pay-per-view main event. Uh I think it was it was awesome. It was a great spectacle, and I think we're all lucky uh, that the bomb going off at the end didn't really hurt anybody. That Kenny's big uh, master plan that he that he built a dud, which I think who would have thought when he drew up the big plan with crayons that maybe the bomb might not fail to fail to take both guys out. So uh, I thought that uh, the the for the battle it really delivered uh, excellent action. Both guys came out okay, which is great because. On paper, it looked like the kind of match where somebody could get hurt. So there's part of his explanation. Wow, wait a minute. First of all, oh, they're fine. They're okay. Yeah, Moxley, he just got beaten with a baseball bat and handcuffed and pummeled by our world champion and two large accomplices and was beaten with everything. And stuff. He's fine. And blaming the heel for making a bad gimmick. You know what, Tony Khan? The heel used to be able to take heat like that. When the heel would say something on television and the promoter would get in trouble, he'd say, oh, it's that daggum heel, we can't control him. Or when the heel would cheat and win a match, the promoters trying to be babyfaces would go, well, it's the heel's fault. And when people believed wrestling, that worked. But now that you and the rest of your ilk, I don't care whether you've got $1 or a billion dollars, you're nerds living out your fantasies while you're playing pocket pool in your mom's basement, booking your live action action figures that your daddy bought you. It don't work that way anymore because all of you insipid little twerps have told people over and over that wrestling is all fake and funny and bullshit. 
So now you've got to own up to your fucking mistakes instead of blaming it on the heel. Because that don't work anymore. Because you fucked it up. And I wonder if all the Rick Moranis comparisons are the reason why all of a sudden he's drastically changed his appearance. But another quote from Tony. He's probably not able to, to get to the high-quality Adderall anymore. And he's, 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 he's doing the cheap shit. But at the end, I don't know what people really wanted. Unless you wanted us to actually explode the guys at the end. There's only so much you can do. So without actually blowing the ring and blowing both guys up, I think the basic explanation is Kenny's ring was set to explode and his plan as a heel who built this thing with a hammer and nails, as we saw, the final Uh, bomb just didn't go off. Nobody believes he built it. Because for one thing, when they saw him with the hammer in his hand, everybody realized he'd never done a day's work in his life. Nobody believes he built it. And yes, what did we expect? We expected what you told us was going to happen. The ring was going to blow up. This fucking idiot Moxley, this balding sack of shit from Cincinnati, with a fucking emaciated frame and the idea in his warped mind that he's somehow some big badass that people should be afraid of because he snaps necks and breaks legs, even though he never does any of that. And Harpo finger fuck that made his biggest name in Japan sticking his finger up other men's asses in wrestling matches and having contests with sex dolls. You imagine the the two of them together can't come up with a winner of a goddamn gimmick match? No, you said you were going to blow these fucking people up if they weren't out of the ring. Do we expect you to blow the ring up and the people up? No. That's why we expect you not to have the stupid fucking match where you have to promise people that you're going to blow up the ring and the wrestlers in it. It was a stupid idea that wasn't going to work. I predicted it. Everybody else that knows what they're talking about did too. It didn't work, and y'all should be ashamed of yourself. Instead of coming out and apologizing and just saying we're too stupid to do this, and we have these wacko outlaw garbage deathmatch ideas from these idiot outlaw mud show wrestlers I've signed, and I apologize for all of them. And we're going to start having matches as soon as I can sign some wrestlers. Instead, he blames the fucking heel for coming up with a bad gimmick that his promotion advertised for weeks as something that it was not. Bait and switch, false advertising, bullshit, the inability to follow through with something, and it's the only possible way to paint this in a good light is if they thought after the fact that they'd announced this, this is the stupidest thing we've ever done and we shouldn't do this, they should have pulled the whole goddamn match, but instead they go through and half-ass it and don't deliver what the people were told they were going to get when they bought the thing. Fuck you. Welcome to The Hoots Podcast. This is a podcast about life, which just happens to be centered and focused around the world of professional wrestling. We tackle the topics of the week, both inside and outside of the squared circle, while also focusing on the issues that are plaguing the world today. Whether it's wrestling, sports, life, or anything in general, 
we've got you covered right here on the Hoots Podcast. And now, here's your host, Josh Lopez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 248 of the Hoots Podcast, recording this bad boy in the Good Brothers studio right now, right here in Chicago, Illinois. This is episode 248. We are two episodes away from reaching 250, which will drop on March 25th, so be on the lookout for that. It is yours truly, the nefarious, the one and only Brother Adam, a.k.a. Joshy Lopez. You can follow me at Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Screw you, the DMCA. And uh, you can hit me up on Instagram if you like at Joshy Lopez 94. That's J-O-S-H-I-E Lopez 94 at Josh Lopez Music uh, for my guitar covers. Uh, also, by the way, if you guys haven't had a chance to check out a little site called ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com, you're, sh- you're truly missing out. I have literally transcript for almost every single wrestling show that's out there right now. And um, been covering the New Japan Cup uh, and definitely uh, this is a lot of wrestling going on. So uh, make sure to check out uh, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com just in case you've missed out on any episodes of Raw or SmackDown or anything like that. I got all the info you need to know there. Um one last bit of plugs in business-wise. Uh, if you are a Apple podcast consumer or user, uh, you could uh, download this podcast for free every single Thursday. It drops for free, no charge. We have no Patreon accounts or anything like that. Uh, we give you the podcast as it is, unfiltered and raw and real. And um, if you could leave us a four or five star review, uh, it really helps expand the reach of the podcast, and I would love to gauge your feedback on what you like or dislike about the Hoots Podcast. If this is your first time listening to the Hoots Podcast, this is a live slash pro wrestling podcast um, where we're not spending 90% of it talking about booking, and uh, we have a lot of fun in here with this particular show. I decided that I wanted to change up the format this week a little bit uh, with the fact that Brett Carter is out. He's been having a very busy week uh, work-wise and personally, so um, it's, uh, we're not having the thoughts of Derrico this week, so I just want to throw that out there. Um, I'm sure Brett Carter will come up with a new one next week, but that's fine. Um, but we did get something from Brett Carter. Um, and the reason I'm switching the format is because we're coming off the heels of the AEW Revolution pay-per-view, right? So instead of separating it in two parts, I figured, why not, let's kick off the show with a bang, right? You guys want to know what I think about Revolution, right? You want to know my thoughts on last night's riveting edition of Dynamite? Let's not waste any time. So we're going to kick off this bad boy this week with... Everybody's favorite segment from the Hoots Podcast. The best segment in 2021 in all of podcasting. Affectionately known as, What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? And we do have a card, so we're going to start it off with him in a 3, 2, 
one. It's time for what the hell is wrong with A E W. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Now, I admit, I did not actually have a chance to watch Revolution or Dynamite this week. Sometimes life gets in the way and I, work takes over and all that stuff, but nothing will stop me from producing and submitting a segment to the most popular segment in all of wrestling podcasts. And believe me, there is still some t- stuff to talk about. So what I'm going to do in this week's segment is just talk about a couple of the major issues coming out of Revolution and kind of my thoughts on what really annoyed me about what actually came out of the show. Now, first off, Christian Cage is signed with AEW after reports had come out that he had re-signed with WWE. Uh, You know, he's going to get misused, you know, all this kind of good stuff, just like everybody else in this godforsaken second-rate mud show. And I don't know, I I guess on Dynamite this week, he held up the world title, so... Maybe he's going to become world champion. I Who knows with this company? I have no idea. But he's another WWE talent who's going to go get his payday, you know, get a huge check from Tony Khan, and then his career will continue to go down into the toilet. So best of luck to you, Christian. Uh, wish you would have stayed with WWE. You would have had a lot more success. But hey, what the hell do I know? And of course, we have to grab the brass ring. So in the latter match, Scorpio Sky went and grabbed a brass ring so that AEW could once again take a shot at WWE since they have no freaking identity of their own. They don't, they don't care about putting on a good wrestling product. They just care about taking shots at their former employer and, oh, WWE sucks, yeah. So the stupid-ass internet wrestling marks who, you know, live in their parents' basement and write blogs for a living. Um, because they can't go get real jobs. You know, they go, oh, WWE sucks, man. It's, it's just so freaking stupid. This company is going downhill so fast. Now, one of the big things that came out of this, of course, is the complete dud in the exploding barbed wire death match at the very end. Now, here's the thing about this. I understand that accidents happen, and sometimes things don't go as planned. I get that. And I get that, you know, again, it's live It's, it's live television, or in that case, live pay-per-view, and sometimes mistakes happen. But you would think that this company would have enough of a sense to test this before running it on live television and not having these over- hyped angles that end to be compl- end up being complete duds. Hmm. What other wrestling company, fateful wrestling company in the past had overhyped angles that ended up complete being complete duds? Oh yeah, that's right. It was WCW. And boy, we all saw what happened to that company. AEW will have the same fate within 5 years. Trust me. So, the exploding barbed wire deathmatch was com- was a bunch of crap. The ending was actually hilarious. It was kind of appropriate for this company. You know, a shitty ending for a shitty company, but I digress. Kenny Omega is going to have the opportunity to win another world championship, 
when he takes the Impact World Championship because there's no way that they would ever take anything off the quote-unquote greatest wrestler in the world. Actually, it's apropos that they're going to give another title to Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega is the most overrated athlete in the history of professional wrestling. And AEW is known for overhyping and underperforming, as was what happened at uh, Revolution. So giving the title, giving another title to Kenny Omega actually makes a lot of sense to continue building this overhyped and, quite frankly, garbage wrestler. So now I'm hoping that they'll do some kind of swerve where Omega loses the title and then Don Callis has to figure out what he's going to do or Omega or Don Callis screws Kenny Omega. I'm hoping that will happen, but I doubt it. I, I have this strange feeling that uh, Kenny Omega is going to become a dual champion, and then Don Callis is going to basically blast the Impact roster, and we'll just go from there. But we shall see. Getting into Dynamite this week. Again, I didn't have a chance to watch the show this week. Again, just sometimes life happens, and and that happens. So um, uh, I'm, I, I guess Matt Jackson and, and Ray Phoenix had a good match. Uh, just going through this. I'm not quite sure what happened in the women's match. I hope it went well because um, because I hope because they've been doing well with the women's the uh, women's wrestling. I understand that the women's match uh, was very good at Revolution, so congratulations for that. Uh, Darby Allen beat Scorpio Sky, and then we get into the main event segment, and apparently MJF now has his own stable. I mean, I see this in two different ways. One, the last thing that All Elite Wrestling needs is more factions. But, and and Josh and I were texting about this, and he actually brings up a good point. Is anybody going to really see Sammy Guevara or Jake Hager as a babyface? Like, are they going to try to make the inner circle faces? I, I don't know how this is going to play out. I'm glad to see Jer- uh, MJF finally getting away from Jericho. That's good. But I just have a feeling this is going to be a complete flop, just like this company is a complete flop. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, Brett Carter, so much for the submission this week. It's always good, Brett. I appreciate it. Where do we begin? <laughs> Let's start off with the pay-per-view. And I'm going to try my best to fit in the stuff I did like from AEW this week because I think this weekend, again, is just another um, source of confirmation of everything I've thought about this promotion since the beginning and especially since the back half of 2020. You know, you look at the matches and stuff like, okay, I didn't have any expectations, any high expectations for this match, but I liked the Dion Bucks match with Chris Jericho and Jeff. I thought that was fine. Um, the latter match I thought was pretty entertaining for the most part. Um, I was happy that Jeff Jarrett did not win the Face of the Revolution ladder match. And then... Trying to figure out what stuff they set out this week. I, I I really like Darby Allen and Scorpio Sky's TNT title match on uh, Dynamite last night. I thought that was a good match. Outside of that, 
more same old, same old from the goddamn outlaw mud show freaks in Jacksonville, Florida. So, you want to get my thoughts on the revolution? Let's start with that. I'm glad, and I'm going to be fully transparent here with you guys. I did not pay one cent for this pay-per-view. Nor do I regret admitting that or not even buying for this pay-per-view because it wasn't worth it. Someone please ex- explain to me what is the goal of AEW? Supposed to be the alternative, right? Supposed to be this revolutionary, oh, pardon the pun there, revolutionary company that's supposed to change the world and do different things and come up with different concepts and bring wrestling into the 2020 era of television and entertainment, bring it into the 21st century, right? This is what, that's what we're supposed to do with AEW. You watch their shows every week. You watch their pay-per-views. You watch the the tone of of their company through social media. You listen to their commentary. You listen to their shitty, unrestricted podcasts with uh, Skia Bone and Aubrey Edwards, right? So you you consume this product that is labeled All Elite Wrestling. And the prevailing question that I continue to ask myself as I watch and cover these shows each and every single week is what is exactly elite about AEW? So, with what the hell is wrong with AEW this week, we're going to play a little game of Elite or Not Elite going over this pay-per-view. So, we're going to start off here, and I was going to mix some thoughts here from the Dynamite uh, show as well. So, we're going to start off with this. Casino Tag Team Battle Royale, Elite or Not Elite? I'm going to go with Elite only because I feel like, for me... I the only way I can get interested in a Young Bucks tag team time match is who their opponents are. The Young Bucks are such at a point with me where their tag their match layouts make absolutely no sense. I hate their style of wrestling. I hate the tumbling routines. I hate pie face bucks, uh, fake tough guy persona on the mic. Uh, I hate balding bucks, uh, emotionless facial reactions. Uh, if there's any, um, <laughs> I can't stand the Young Bucks. Uh, so the fact that Pac and Phoenix are going to fight uh, the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team titles, cool. Awesome, right? It's building up here. I know you guys want me to go off, and that'll happen soon. But I want to go through this properly. And I look at um, Revolution. Let's go to the next part of this uh, elite or not elite test. And we're going to go to commentary. Not elite. Okay. I, I hate that I have to say this. I really do. If I never had to hear JR call another wrestling show and or pay-per-view, I'll be content with that. I don't know what was up with his voice. I hope there's not some personal illness he's going through right now. Hopefully that's not the case. Um, If there is, I hope he feels better. But I'm at my wit's end of hearing JR on AEW. Like, the commentary in AEW just absolutely blows chunks. Like, you guys know my thoughts on the Raw commentary team and Tom Phillips and how much energy just gets sucked out of these shows by commentary. And 
I'm not going to get off this hill because commentary is the reason why I got into this shit in the first place. And commentary is the energy, the pulse of your show. It's not just the reactions from the crowd. Especially for people who watch these shows at home on their TVs or watching on pay-per-views and stream devices. You want to have a show where the energy is up, no matter what the circumstances are. And if anything, this pandemic has exposed how shitty this announce booth is. I don't know what happened with JR's voice before the show. Uh, he sounded like dog shit the entire time. Um, Excalibur is what it is. Uh, he's in a quiet taste. I don't know what the fuck Seltzer and Alvarez were thinking giving him the announcer of the year, but that just shows you how much credibility that the observer has. And then we got Skiffone, the company show man, uh, the guy that um, just drops the word classic onto any match with AEW, especially matches that, especially tag matches where there's no psychology applied, uh, barely holding tag roles, disrespecting the referee's uh, 10 count, uh, or it should be a 5 count, but in the AEW, uh, old rules don't make sense, I guess. Uh, just ask your favorite uh, face of the company, Cody Rose, because you got to make everything about him, right? Um uh, by the way, like this forced ass angle with Pentagon last night on Dynamite. Oh, let me talk crap about your daughter so we can have a match with each other. All right. Like everything with Cody Rhodes is so disingenuous and in- insane. But let's go back to the commentary. I thought the commentary, for the most part, on every AEW pay-per-view that's been produced has been complete in other dog shit. So not elite. All right, let's move on. Let's continue on with this fun fest here. Hikaru Shida against Ryo Mizunami and everything going on right now. We found out uh, last night that Britt Baker is going to fight Thunder Rosa in a lights-out match. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it goes from one outlaw match to another outlaw match every single week on this fucking show. Uh, but Shida retains over Ryo Mizunami, and she is still your AEW Women's Champion. Do I consider... Hikaru Shida Elite. Yes. For what that division is and the lack of emphasis that they apply into that division, she's obviously the best that they got and she's been the champion as long as for a reason. But the, my issue with this match from uh, Sunday was that it was just there. Like, I understand that it, it was a tournament style build up towards this match, but, you, you know, they. Fought hard. Uh, I, I'll tell you what the issues I had with Revolution on Sunday was just the match layouts and some of the the lengths of the matches too. Like it's one thing to be on paper you say, okay, you're gonna get time, you're gonna get time, you're gonna get time. I mean, Tony Khan or whoever's timing out this fucking show is like, hey, you get 15 minutes, you get 18 minutes, you get 19 minutes. You had to feel the pulse of your show, and there's no reason why. Sheeta and Rio needed to go fucking 15, 17 minutes and just kill the whole energy of the show. Oh, here we go. Here's here's the next part of this game. Miro getting uh, his first pay-per-view win on in AEW. Elite or not elite? Not elite. Because guess what? Miro, just like... I'm going to loop something else into this as well. Miro, just like all your other sides from the WWE, has been a complete and utter flop. 
outside of John Moxley, of course, right? Because that was a god. Uh, <laughs> that, that that was so predictable that they were going to give him every accolade possible to boost up John Moxley's. Uh, um, what do you say? Like his reputation, his hysteria around him, his aura. Like I'm not gonna come on here and disrespect John Moxley. He's a good wrestler, but I'm not gonna come on here and act like he's one of the top five wrestlers in the world and all this other bullshit. Like the observers giving him the wrestler of the year. PWI ranked him, ranked him the number one wrestler. Okay, you ranked him the number one wrestler because he left the WWE. He talked about creative on Chris Jericho's podcast. And he tries to uh, rip off Minoru Suzuki. Like, let, let's be honest about John Moxley for once, okay? So, Miro gets his first win over Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Awesome, right? And this is one of the issues with AEW. They told you right off the bat, we're going to be a sports-based wrestling promotion. We're going to take things seriously. We're gonna, not going to be focused on the comedy bits and not focus on the entertainment aspects of wrestling. But guess what? We still got a game, uh, a, a fucking, I don't know, four or five months feud over a goddamn video game. And did I hear Chuck Taylor correct that there's going to be video game stuff around the ring side the next time they have a match? Oh, my God. Like, everything is a goddamn joke to this company. And, and it's, this is the funny thing about AEW. They'll tell you they're serious, they're a serious wrestling promotion, but their actions tell you otherwise. It's kind of like flaky women, right? Hey, it is what it is. Um, next. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, I thought Hangman's match, uh, Hang, this is on the match to, uh, talk about, like, going way too long. Hangman Page and Matt Hardy, I thought it was fine. They did what they needed to do, but still, that was way too long. Uh, I put over the, um, the ladder match, so we don't really have to go over that. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's get into the street fight. Elite or not elite? Elite. There you go. See, I'm trying to be positive, a little bit balanced here. So, we have the street fight with Sting and Darby Allen in Team Taz. I thought this was awesomely shot. The issue I had with this was the fact, again, we're having commentary. And the vibe of commentary at AW, it's like if I'm... Uh, it's like if I'm doing commentary and doing like a watch along with Tony and Matt, that's like how bad the commentary is. It's like doing a watch along of a show and you're not letting the story breathe and develop and go from here and there. There's no reason why you're having cinematic matches with live watch along style commentary. I thought it, it almost ruined the thing for me, but I... It got to the point where I muted the commentary as I was transcribing the match. Um, and I, I, I love the visual aspects of it. I thought Sting and I thought Sting looked pretty good. Uh, it was a good outing for uh, Starks and Cage. I was worried it was going to kill the buzz from T-Taz, but I was wrong on that assessment. So, um, you know, I always say when it comes to AW, prove me wrong. And they proved me wrong with the street fight, so I'll give credit where credit's due with that. And then, here we go. You know, it's one thing for guys like myself or Jim Cornette or the other people who don't feel like they need to kiss Tony Khan's, uh, Tony Khan's ass in order to try to get a job. 
uh, with AW. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> you know, for me, it's, it's it's one thing for us to come in here and talk about outlaw booking and outlaw outlaw mud show concepts and things looking like a flea market. But we have John Moxie and Kenny Olivier in exploding barbed wire death match that ended with sparklers. So this has been the talk about. This has been the whole scuttlebutt in wrestling. This is like the big water cooler conversation about the ending of Revolution. I love the fact that now I'm recording this on a Thursday and Dynamite just passed. And they're trying to pass the heat on to Impact in a roundabout storyline aspect. Instead of actually owning up to the bullshit that they pulled off on Sunday night. You heard what Jim Cornette said in the beginning of the show, and I agree with everything he said. Because he doesn't have a horse in the race anymore. He calls it like he he sees it, just like I do. I cover, I don't know, five or six wrestling promotions a week. I cover a total of around 14 wrestling shows a week. I have my favorites, my like NXT UK and MLW are my favorite wrestling shows right now. I, NXT's been on fire recently. Um, yeah, like I have my person just like any other wrestling fan, but I with the amount of wrestling that I cover, and I, the fact that I still have people coming at me trying to act like I'm a one company guy person, it's just complete and utter bullshit. If anybody has a right to point out flaws and nonsense that goes on with these shows, it is me for the fact that I am breaking down these shows. I'm going to back off of that. It is what it is. I cover every single Dynamite and Dark episode that this company has produced. So I don't want to hear fucking shit from anybody. I spend more time on AEW than you do. Think about that. I spend more time covering this goddamn bullshit than you do. And it's frustrating. And I'm not going to repeat myself why, because I've been saying it on this goddamn segment for the last six months. You have no identity. You have no purpose. You're doing the same shit I've seen from TNA. AEW TNA presents revolution from the dynamite zone. I watched this show and it's overhyped and underdelivered. We're gonna have an exploding barbed wire death match, but we're gonna have fucking sparklers in the end. But no, because we fucked up and mislead the audience. Oh, we're gonna try to twist this story around to cover our ass and blame Impact for their lack of money or whatever. And you're going to have Don Callis and Kenny Olivier come out on Wednesday, cut one of the shittiest promos I've seen this year, or the last five years. By the way, can we stop with the whole Kenny Omega is a top-tier wrestler bullshit, uh, speaking about elite or not elite? Okay, outside of his gymnastics and tumbling routines and the way he freaking sings his promos like a damn a goddamn ballerina. Tell me what's so elite about Kenny Olivier. Like, I tolerated Kenny Omega in New Japan, and I understand that his uh, ability and all that stuff when he was there. I covered his work in New Japan. I'm not saying he's not a good wrestler. 
But this whole aura and perception of what Kenny Omega is and what he isn't, it's just actually mind-boggling to me. Because you watch the promo he cut last night with Don Cows going on and on and on and on with this fucking window-dressing explanation of what happened on, uh, on Revolution with this goddamn much-show concept of a match. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. His facial expressions suck. His intro sucks. It made me dislike Justin Roberts, and he's a Chicago guy. Only Kenny Olivier, who thinks he's the fucking Michael Jordan of wrestling, uh, is possible for me to dislike somebody from Chicago. Think about that. What John Moxley and Kenny Omega did was absolutely embarrassing on Sunday. I'm not for blood and guts matches. I thought the match fucking sucked. Uh, it was kind of similar to um, high spots and stuff like that where you get reprieves to matches where it's like, okay, we're going to counter out of this. We're going to counter out of that. We're going to counter out of this. We're going to counter out of that. And let me just point this out really quick so I don't forget. I am kind of getting over, I'm kind of getting burned out with the Connor style of wrestling of today's wrestling promotions. It's too much, and you're not being able to process the stories these guys are trying to tell the ring. It's one thing to have two or three matches on a card where it is based on counter wrestling and stuff like that, but when it, every match is having that same layout, you're making your wrestlers look stupid to a certain extent, and nobody's selling anything, so what the hell is the point of the shows that you're putting on in the first place? So I'm watching this match, and it starts off with a fucking collar and elbow tie-up. Now, by the way, you guys noticed that I pointed out these, like, double standards that happened with AEW, right, in WWE. So, I heard Brian Alvarez go on a fucking soliloquy one time about a match that, by the way, John Moxley had with Seth Rollins. This, like, no-holds-barred match on a pay-per-view, right? And it started off with amateur holds and grappling and stuff like that. And this dude thought it was the end of Earth. He was just crying like a fucking baby. Oh, I can't believe, you know, this guy's talking about Roman having leukemia and all this stuff, but they're going to start off matching with a collar and elbow tie. But here we are. Here's John Moxley and Kenny Olivier trying to sh batter their bodies with barbed wire and all this crap. And we start off with a collar and elbow. Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Double standards again in AEW. But my opinion doesn't matter, right? Christian, before I get to Christian, <laughs> I love Eddie Kingston, but I felt bad for them. Talk about putting your talents in the wrong place at the wrong time and just everything about it. You know, the idea of Kingston coming out to save Moxie was, was fine, but even then, I don't even fucking care if there was no explosions in the ring. You're, getting, you're having sparklers? I'm not expecting the guys to get blown up half to death. But for all the times I see on social media talking about, oh, this man should be scared because Tony Khan has more money than him. You tell me that Tony Khan, fucking Rick Moranis Jones, couldn't have the money to come up with some fake fire in the ring or something like that? Or uh, roll a stunt double under the ring 
and pretend it was Moxley, you couldn't have done that? No, because for whatever reason, we have these odd camera shots where they're above the ring instead of looking in the center of the ring. Um, so, I did not like this. I don't know what that match served. Olivier is still the champion. We still got this stupid thing with Impact and AEW. And nobody's getting over. Like, we need to separate what's over on Twitter with fucking sheep that live and die off of dirt sheet reporters and what really is. Because I watched this show and the only takeaway people have of it is people laughing over the fact that we had sparklers as a result of an exploding barbed wire death match. Again, this match didn't feel like a Edge and Mick Foley match from WrestleMania 22. Uh, a match with like Triple H and uh, Cactus Jack for the Royal Rumble or No Way Out. Uh, this match... It felt like a goddamn flea market match. Like, I'm surprised Jelly Nutella was in there and you could have made it a goddamn three-way match. I, honestly, what are we doing here? And then we have Christian side with AEW. And I have one more point I want to make after I'm done with talking about Christian as we wrap up this segment, but... I respect Christian. I've always been a fan of his. I've always felt he's always been underrated as an in-ring wrestler. I love this view of Ray Orton. Got to see one of his best how matches in Chicago at Money in the Bank 2011. Him signing with AEW is just another spotlight of the hypocrisy that comes out of Jacksonville. Your last three big signings are Sting, Big Show, and Christian. Talk about change the world, right? Okay, and then on Dynamite, oh, coincidentally, Christian is grabbing the AEW title while Edge is going to main event one of the nights of WrestleMania. How how convenient, right? Let's rush Christian to a title shot that he's not going to win. For what? You're, you're going to try to convince me, Tony Khan, that Olivier is on another level than the Tribal Chief? Because... That looks like where we're going here, right? We're going to have Christian against Olivier, and Roman's going to fight Edge. At least I hope so. I'll get to that later on. But, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate these guys for having an impact on the roster, the backstage uh, culture, or whatever. That's cool. That's cool. But, again, what are we doing here? You're bringing Christian in just because he showed up in the Royal Rumble and you're automatically going to put him into the title program. And then what? When he doesn't win? I don't get it, man. I don't. You know, it's one thing to call yourself all elite, but at the end of the day, AEW is nothing more than Bill of Goods Wrestling. That's what it is. B.O.G. Wrestling. B-O-G-W. That's what A-W is. Nothing but bill of goods. They tell you one thing, they give you something else. And it's just frustrating to watch. It really is. 
I watched Dynamite last night. The show sucked. What else is new? And then we found out, oh, you know what's going to really pump things up? You know what's going to really energize everybody? Another faction. So we got MGF, Warlow, FTR, and Sean Spears as a group going at their baby faces in the inner circle. So please, Mr. Rick Moranis, I'm speaking to you right now. Hopefully you can respond to this in a DM if you're if you are listening to this, and I do appreciate it. I try to be balanced here and give some props to your company instead of just trashing it. So if anybody comes on here and says I'm being unfair to AEW, you can go take take one in the ass as far as I'm concerned, okay? So please explain to me, Tony Khan, how am I supposed to buy Jake Hager, and a guy that says that he wants to rate Sasha Banks as a babyface. Please explain that to me. Tell me how I'm supposed to buy the COVID god, Mr. Trump supporter, Chris Jericho, as a babyface now. Really? <laughs> oh, we're going to have uh, the the knockoff four horsemen against the inner circle in a, in a blood and guts match, a ripoff of war games. Awesome! Folks, stop lying to yourself and stop trying to put AW on a pedestal just because you don't like the WWE. Call it what it is. Stop freaking lying to yourself and putting everything over just because this is the new company. When you call yourself all elite wrestling, you're going to have elite standards from my point of view. Because that's what you labeled yourself. You said that you had all the answers to WWE problems. You said you had all the answers to whiny and title wrestling fans issues. But all that's happened is basically you guys have booked shows for fucking smart marks. And guess what? You're not even averaging a million viewers a week. So tell me what's so elite about AEW? What's how's the wrestling world changed since AWs came around? Oh, they made impact relevant? Wow! <laughs> like wow, seriously. <laughs> Hell, somebody wanted to call me because that that sentiment just rang through their ears as well. So what's what's made AEW special since starting in 2019? Oh, we made impact wrestling relevant again. And the funny thing is Impact is putting better shows on than you are right now. So, with that being said, that is what's wrong with AEW. When we come back here, we'll get, go over what happened this week in WWE right here on the Hoops Podcast. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I don't have a ton of ambition. That's what they say. WWE did these personality tests years ago where they, they tested a bunch of different superstars on their personalities. And the lady called me in and she said, Daniel Bryan, this is the lowest ambition score I had ever seen. How is it possible that you are successful? I don't know. The only answer I could give her is because I love this. And if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I don't feel, feel like I've ever had to work a day in the last 21 years. So when I rolled to the floor and Edge pointed at the WrestleMania sign and I felt like an absolute failure, it's because I've failed myself. 
because I put myself on the back burner. And only then, in that moment, did I realize that I had a lot more ambition than that personality test could ever show. Because as I sat there, I, I looked up at the WrestleMania sign and I knew that me, that I should be in the main event of WrestleMania. Not Edge, not Roman, me. And do you know why? Do you know why I got upset that those two men were in the main event of WrestleMania? Is because I love this. And do you know how you can tell that I love this? Because in the last three months, I've, in the last three weeks, I've wrestled more matches than Roman and Edge have in the last three months. Between the two of them, they've wrestled three matches this year. I come out here every single week, and I wrestle every single night that I can because I love what I do. And then I realized that by putting myself on the back burner, I did a disservice to myself because I know what I can be. And what I can be is the absolute best. So tonight, I step in a steel cage with Jey Uso. And if I beat him, I get a chance to go on to face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at Fastlane. And that is the only way, by beating Roman Reigns at Fastlane for the Universal Championship, that is the only way I will main event WrestleMania. And this could be my last chance. So you're going to see... stands in Daniel Bryan's way at main eventing WrestleMania is here. He is the Universal Champion. He is the head of the table. He is Roman Reigns. Um, Kevin, is it? Yes. 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 KPZ a little bit. KPZ. Yeah. Sure. All right, KPZ, I know this is your first day. Congratulations on the job, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Good. this easy for you and Do just... It. Just sit there okay. and just look like you. Okay. She, she How do you want me to look? Like that just, just look like you. Truth, you too. Yeah, I just, I'm chilling. Perfect. Do you? Because I'm about to set one thing straight once and for all. Because I have been quiet. But closed mouths don't get paid. I'm not here to hide my talents. In fact, my talents are hidden behind the opinion of others. Why not just let me go? Just let me go and see what happens. You know, our Raw Women's Champion, Asuka, she's injured right now. And yes, that sucks for her. But when a talent goes down, a spot opens up. Yeah. And that spot is massive. So why not me? Why does it always have to be the same old, same old? You know, I, I packed up my life, I moved across the world, I set up in a completely different country with, with not much of a support system to chase this dream. To, to what? To get stuck in the locker room watching other women do what I do better than 98% uh, of them. And the other 2%. <laughs> well, I'd sure as hell give them a run for their money. It actually hurts. When you know deep in your soul you are destined to be where you are, striving for what you feel you deserve. You know, my potential haunts me. When you're striving for something that you feel you really deserve, 
This is where I'm meant to be. And my patience has been running thin for quite some time. So stop wasting my time and give me Oscar. Damn. Wow. She had it throw the microphone. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoots Podcast. Ready to go over what happened this week in WWE. As we are, man, almost 30 days away from WrestleMania in Tampa, Florida. We saw the announcement this week that tickets are going on sale for WrestleMania coming up on Tuesday, so I'm looking forward to that. And who knows, maybe your boy might show up in Tampa Bay, so be on the lookout for that. I wanted to uh, go over what happened this week from Raw to SmackDown at the XUK report uh, in this segment as well. But I want to start off with SmackDown last week. And you heard the comments there from Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan will fight Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at the Fastlane Pay-Per-View, which will be the first uh, special for the WWE on the Peacock flat, uh, path, uh, platform. If I can get my damn words right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that match will be taking place on... Let's see. When's that pay-per-view going to be on? Um... What was it, 21st? Yeah, March 21st, uh, a week from this Sunday, it will be Fastlane. So we'll have to go home show next week, which is fine. Uh, we'll make our predictions, yes, for Fastlane uh, next week on the podcast. So, anyways, Dan Bryant goes on a soliloquy about, oh, uh, I'm, I'm going to take a stand against Roman Reigns and Edge being the main event of wrestling. Uh, main, uh, Roman Reigns versus Edge versus See, Danny Bryan got Danny Bryan got me so flustered. I can't even get my words right today. What's going on here? So, Dan Bryan's going to soliloquy about he's taking a stand against Roman Reigns and Edge being the main event of WrestleMania because he wants me the main event of WrestleMania. Just like every goddamn WrestleMania season, somebody tries to kind of find loopholes into whatever the set WrestleMania main event is. Like every year, every WrestleMania season, you always hear podcasts where people are like, oh, drop this person in, make it a triple threat match. Oh, drop that person in, make it a triple threat match. Folks, for the 15th time, you are not going to recreate the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30 moment. It's just not going to happen. Everything that happened on that show was meant to happen for that night. Daniel Bryan's not going to top his moment. He had a WrestleMania stealing the show match with Kofi Kingston as a heel. You, you, this is as high as it's going to get for Daniel Bryan. And please don't give me this sympathy act of oh he should he should be in the main event. He should fight Roman Reigns. It, it's WrestleMania. I mean, how, why not Daniel Bryan in the main event? Because he doesn't deserve it. He should not be in the match. He did not win the Royal Rumble, so he should not be in the match. It's not Triple H and Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels. What are we doing here? The main event of WrestleMania is Roman Reigns and Edge. And please, for the love of God, I hope something happens where Dave Bryan does not win at Fastlane. Like... Please, Seth Rollins, save us from this massacre and this nightmare that I'm going through in my head right now because you are not beating the Tribal Chief. 
First off, it would be unrealistic with everything Roman Reigns is doing right now to have him lose to Daniel Bryan. Like, really? Like, let's be honest here, folks. And here's the thing. I like Daniel Bryan. I'm a fan of his. He's an awesome dude. He's a tourist. So I got to give shouts to my good brothers who were born in Maine. So it is what it is, right? Like, <laughs> I have no issues with Daniel Bryan. My issue is... This thing that happens every WrestleMania season where, oh my god, we gotta drop this person and make it a triple threat match. Oh, we gotta make this match a triple threat match. This let the main event of WrestleMania be what it is. Do we really need Daniel Bryan to raise up the interest level of Roman Reigns versus Edge? Seriously? Like, if I'm Edge, I'd be sincere... I'd be, like, seriously pissed off right now about this. The fact that this match with Roman Reigns is even happening in the first place. Uh, the fact that Dan Bryan keeps uh, sticking his nose in this scenario. Like, honestly, it's an injustice. And that's why Seth Rollins needs to cost Dan Bryan the WWE title at Fastlane. He needs to cost Dan Bryan the Universal title at Fastlane. It just got to happen, man. Um, I thought it was kind of like a slower week uh, for both Raw and SmackDown this week. I'm not, not saying that there are bad shows or anything like that, but um, I think for me, like, uh, this week was more about plot points than it was trying to have banger shows. Um, like, I thought there was a couple good matches here and there from Raw and SmackDown. I liked the Dan Bryan and Jey Uso Steel Cage match. I thought that was fine. Um... You know, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, they had an awesome uh, no-DQ match that went to no contest. And I always hear people like, oh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus is not worthy of a WrestleMania match. Really? Have you seen what they've done the last two weeks? <laughs> so, like, I wouldn't mind having Drew McIntyre and Sheamus continue to fight each other all the way to WrestleMania. Just call it what it is. It's the best of seven series. We're... We have a draw right now. Uh, Drew McIntyre recently did defeat Sheamus, so let's continue this on. I got, I, I'm down for that. Uh, talk about doing too much on one episode. Like the first part of the Braun Strowman and Shane Man stuff where Shane got to Braun's face, I liked that. I thought that was good. And then later on in the show, it looked like Shane McMahon was either high or have some issues internally inside of, like, I don't know what was going on with him in that second half of that segment with Braun Strowman. I did, it was, it was unnecessary, and most importantly, especially on the three-hour show, you don't need to repeat segments if you're not getting your business done in that first particular segment. You didn't need to call him out again just to call him stupid, like, come on. Um, so... I've liked what Braun and Shane been doing beforehand. I liked that first segment they did. But you just sucked the energy out of it by doing that second segment. And it was going on on and on. And Shane's going forever trying to get to one part of his uh, explanation to the next. And, like, I don't know where he, where he was going with that. Is, is, he, is he good? Do we need to drug test him? <laughs> like, please let me know what happened. Um... What else stood out to me this week? Um, I got to tell you, man, Chad Gable, uh, not, not, not Chad Gable, but Dominic is looking damn good in the ring, man. <laughs> that kid is going to be a 
He's going to be one of the good ones. Let's tell you that right now. Uh, it was nice to see Cesaro and Buddy Murphy on the show. Um, I was hoping they would have a little longer of a match, but that was fine. It looks like Seth Rollins will be uh, fighting uh, Cesaro at Fastlane, which is which is fine too. Um, we know that Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair will have another shot at the women's tag team titles at Fastlane. Nia Jax, the Milton Bradley of wrestling, continues on being Nia Jax, and I gotta get props for Shayna uh, doing what she's doing as well. So uh, I thought it was a little slower this week for Raw SmackDown. By the way, I love the new entrance for Bobby Lashley. I thought that was really dope. He retained over the Miz in their title rematch. And then uh, the show closed with AJ Styles and Randy Orton. I thought it was a pretty good match. And then um, Alexa Bliss and her sexy self appeared on the Titan Tron and uh, uh, struck her voodoo all over Randy Orton. So we got to find something in what, where we're going here with Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton. Is Randy Orton going to challenge Alexa Bliss to a match at Fastlane? Because that's where we're at right now. The Fiend's just not going to show up now. Like... <laughs> So, something's got to give you, so I'm curious to see where that goes. So, overall, um, if I had to pick a better show this week, I'd probably go with SmackDown overall, but that was just my thoughts uh, over that. And then, really quick on NXT, uh, they announced that NXT TakeOver would be a two-night event, uh, Stand and Deliver, on Wednesday and Thursday of WrestleMania week. Uh, two-night event uh, for TakeOver. Pretty cool. I'm excited to see what the card is going to be. Uh, I thought NXT last night was an awesome episode from top to bottom. If you guys haven't checked it out, please go do that. Uh, they introduced new uh, NXT Women's Tag Team titles. I got a question about that in the Good Brothers Q&A session, which we'll get to in just a couple of seconds. But um, overall, I enjoyed NXT this week a lot. And then um, as far as the NXT UK report... Uh, is concerned. Um, first off, let's give a big shout out to Kaylee Ray and Miko Senabor for having a, a, a bar burger of a women's um, title match uh, on NXT UK last week. This week on NXT UK, we have a couple of matches uh, taking place where we have Tyler Bate against Dave Massive in a British rounds match. Uh, both of these guys are trying to vie for a chance to go after the A-Kid and the Heritage Cup Championship. And also we have Piper Niven and Jack Stars against uh, Ginny and Joseph Connors. Uh, I'm excited to see that match. And then also, um, Flash Morgan Western and Mark Andrews are taking on Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan today at NC UK. So... Uh, if you guys haven't been checking out NXT UK, it's a fun show to watch. Uh, I, it's my favorite wrestling show of the week uh, because of the style of wrestling I like and stuff like that. So it's been a lot of fun uh, documenting what's been going on with um, NXT UK. So go check that out. So that was pretty much it as far as my thoughts on WWE this week. Uh, excited to see what happens tomorrow night on SmackDown. And what's next for Kevin Owens? <laughs> Uh, where's Keith Lee at? Uh, we got to figure out some directions for some of these guys as we're on the road to WrestleMania. So um, stay tuned. We'll see what happens next, right? So when we come back uh, right here on the Who's Podcast, we're going to wrap it up with this week's edition of the Good Brothers Q&A session. And I'll also give my predictions for Impact Wrestling Sacrifice Review right here on the Who's Podcast. All right, folks, 
ready for our final segment here of the Hoots Podcast week. Uh, you know, a little different format this week, and we're going to do the Good Brothers Q&A session. The Good Brothers Q&A uh, session takes place every single week right here in the Hoots Podcast. It's also simulcasted on YouTube and on Facebook live, pal. So excited to come out here and answer your guys' questions. As always, if you guys ever want to send me a question, all you have to do is send me a question at Josh Lobitz Media. Uh, send me an email, thehootspodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on my personal uh, Facebook page if you're my friend. <laughs> uh, so, I got a couple questions here I'm going to answer, and uh, in a segment, like I mentioned before the break, uh, we have uh, predictions for sacrifices going down on Saturday, so uh, let's get into it, shall we? Uh, first question, per ritual, from the good brother at Good Brothers, uh, Chris Zaletta at XTeensZaletta24X, he says... Are you a fan of the NXT Women's Tag Team titles? I am. I, I like the concept of it because this is the division to actually do it. Uh, we're getting into a very murky situation where I don't know if people want more female uh, representation on Raw and SmackDown than the men. Um, do we get to a point where we have an all-women show? Because I think that would just be beneficial for everybody. But also, that's the thing. Like, if you're having an all-women show, then obviously they lose time on Raw SmackDown. And it just it gets weird. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from women's wrestling. I love uh, what the women been doing. It's been a lot of fun matches to transcribe. But when it comes to NXT specifically... You're touting that you have the best women's division and you don't want to have certain talents lost in the shuffle if they're not going after the title. I mean, there's only so many grudge views you can do <laughs> on a certain brand. But um, I think this is the right time for NXT to have this division. For me personally, I wouldn't have like a WWE women's tag team title unless it was an all-women's brand for the women on the main roster. Ugh, can't believe I just said that main roster. Somebody slap me, please. Uh, but I, you try to give a point. The women that are on Raw SmackDown, if they had their own show, then yes, I would have uh, just referred to leave the women's tag team title or uh, a secondary mid card title like that for the women. Leave it on that show. But that's the thing. We, we, we gotta figure out where that goes. But I. I don't hate it, Chris. Um, I had Bernard Carter mention it to me. Is there too many titles in wrestling? It's like, guys, there's like 13 wrestling shows a week. Talk, you want to talk about oversaturation of titles? How about oversaturation of wrestling shows? Uh, next question. Uh, what would be your plan for Bailey, uh, Bailey weekend? Um, I would have Bailey be the host of WrestleMania. That would be my guess for that. That's a good question, though. What would you guys have Bailey do at WrestleMania? What do you think of this idea? If too late for Triple H versus AJ Styles for WrestleMania, and if not, how about Styles versus uh, Pete Dunne for Takeover on WrestleMania weekend? Um, I don't hate it. I I don't mind it. Um, I'm all in for Triple H and AJ Styles because uh, I'm a big fan of both of those guys and I'd be a big gift for my Uncle Jeremy who I watch a lot of these wrestling shows with so uh, it'd be cool for him to see that Triple H and AJ Styles match. If that match ever gets booked 
I'm definitely gonna go down to Tampa for that show. So um, I, I I wouldn't mind it. As far as Styles and Dunn, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you can have AJ there for a takeover. But that also begs the question of the other guys in the roster that you're not using right now in NXT. So, I don't know. That's a very good question. You know, does bragging about being the best technical wrestler in the world. Um, it'd be funny if they just brought in Tyler Bated just to have another rematch with him. But um, for me, I, I look at uh, that match in particular, and I think um, – I, I just don't see that match being uh, scheduled, but I think honestly, Chris would be more realistic for Triple H to fight AJ than AJ going to NXT to fight Pete Dunne. But I could be wrong. And the thing is, uh, AJ Styles is a heel and Pete Dunne's heel, so who are you going to cheer for? <laughs> uh, do you think we'll see Jacob Fatu work outside of MLW? Um, that's hard to say, and I, I, I'm a big fan of Jacob Fatu. Uh, he's one of the main reasons to watch MLW. By the way, if you haven't been watching MLW, you're totally missing out. It's one of my favorite shows to cover each week. I always put it out on Twitter because it's true. Um, I got to give credit to Court Bauer and his staff because they put out the best cards, weekly TV cards, in my opinion, for their particular brand. And, again, I always talk about with AW, they have no identity. MLW, you know what their identity is, and they stay true to what they do, and they do things on their terms. That is an alternative wrestling promotion. So, do I think Jake Affup, too, could work at an outside of MLW? That just depends on him. Maybe one day, depending on wherever promotion he wants to go to, but... Uh, for me, Jacob Fatu is a must-see trash for MLW, so I don't see a reason why for him to leave, you know? Uh, this is a good question. Kane's best year in WWE. Uh, I separated three parts because uh, Kane's really had a very interesting career, man. Like, you have to say definitely 1998 and the feud with The Undertaker right off the bat. Uh, 2003 where he took the mask off. And for me, one of my favorite years that Kane had was uh, 2012. <laughs> uh you know, he was just coming back from wearing the mask. He had a few with John Cena. And then he got to the Team Hell No stuff with Daniel Bryan. And I thought that stuff was awesome. Just absolutely tremendous. So, um, if I had to pick out one year, though, uh, I, I have to say 2003 was my favorite version of Kane. Uh, as a kid watching wrestling during the uh, Ruthless Aggression era. So, uh, Kane in 2003 was the one that really stood out the most to me. Do you think Christian is closer to a title in AEW rather than WWE? Well, uh, it's closer to AEW because you can be anybody from WWE and you'll get an instant title shot. Hell, Carlito can show up and he'll get a TNT title match with Darby Allin the next week. I mean, <laughs> uh, he, it doesn't matter who it is that comes from WWE. They're automatically going to be shuffled into either fighting John Moxley or going after the title because... AEW just tries to capitalize on the buzz of people that get released and whatever the situations are. And again, like I mentioned in the segment earlier, for what the hell's wrong with AEW, I respect Christian and what he does. I'm a fan of his, but him going to AEW and him automatically getting into a title program with Kenny Omega is just absolutely ridiculous to me for this wrestling promotion that said that's not going to make the same mistakes that other wrestling promotions did in the past. Literally, everything that AEW does reminds you of TNA. 
and how ironic these two are working with each other. So, um, with Molly Holly going into the Hall of Fame, who's the next field that who's the next female that needs to go in? Oh, this is an easy one for me. Um, it has to be Victoria. I'm a big fan of uh, Lisa Marie uh, Verone as a person. Uh, she's a very special uh, person to me that I've had the chance to interact with over the years, and um, she has a great soul. And also, this is one of the best female wrestlers of all time, so I definitely can see her being the second woman if there is a second woman in this year's class. But, um, yeah, uh, Molly Holly going into the Hall of Fame uh, is really cool. I got to see that clip on the bump uh, yesterday morning, and I thought that was really sweet. So congratulations to Molly Holly. And WWE announced this week that the Hall of Fame will be taking place on April 6th, and they're going to be airing the speeches for both classes. So that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, you got the Bella Twins. You got... Uh, Batista, that great class in NWO from 2020 and 2021. So I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to roll out with the Hall of Fame this year. I really am. So, um, yeah, congratulations to Molly Holly. Uh, that's the questions this week from Chris Aletta. And then the last batch of questions here, we're going to go to the good brother, Nate the Great. Uh, he's a good brother of all good brothers. Nate. You can find him on Twitter at Psycholigiri, uh, um, longtime listener of the Hoots Podcast and the Bubba Pites, the McCoolin Company. All right, here we go. It's awesome there's now NXT Women's Tag Styles, but I think there's too many tiles. Do you agree? I don't agree. Just going back to Chris's question, I think for me, when it comes to uh, what's oversaturated and what's not oversaturated. It's just what you choose to consume. Nobody's telling you that you have to watch all these shows at this particular time. It's not the 90s anymore. I don't think anything in life is appointment television outside of professional sports. But even then, you can still DVR a sports game and stuff like that. Uh, I think a lot of us need to get out of that 1990s mindset where everything has to be over, everything has to go this way, everything has to go that way. Like We need to really shift the way we look at professional wrestling. And we look at um, the fact that they have a women's tag team division in NXT. It, it's good for them because you're not going to have people like Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell and... Uh, Shotzi and Ember and all these other women that can mention right now, lost in the shuffle. You just brought in Ty Valkyrie and from the Performance uh, Center, right? She's one of the new signees. You have other talents that are coming back from injury and stuff like that. Uh, it's good for that brand. I just thought when it comes to having a women's tag team title on the Raw and SmackDown shows, they're not going to have enough real estate to have the time to tell their stories. So that's why I always keep saying, you know, if you're going to add extra time for the women on Raw and SmackDown, you better have a all-women show to do that. Because um, I, I, I don't think there's too many titles. It's just That's just the landscape of wrestling right now. You have 14 wrestling shows a week. God, I try to picture in my head. I got to try to remember, like, I don't know, 15 or 20 different title divisions right now, collectively, with all the shows that I cover right now. Like, <laughs> if you think it's a lot for you just watching the show, think of it from my end from transcribing these shows about, like, trying to remember who's uh, the top-ranked person in this company and that company. Like, it's it's a lot to process, but it comes with the territory. I don't run away from that. Um, 
So I slightly disagree. It's it's a good question. I just think what what you do with your time is what you do, and what you consume is what you do. Um, I don't think anybody's pressured to watch anything in professional wrestling, nor you shouldn't. Um, I know if I wasn't getting paid or if I wasn't covering um, pro wrestling for a living, I would not be watching AEW. So for me, there's no pressure to watch any certain wrestling show at any certain time. You consume what you want to consume, when you want to consume it, and how you want to consume it. So um, next question. Do you like the two-night takeover and the two-night WrestleMania? Um, ah, man, that's a good question. I, it wouldn't be something that I would want to do every single year, but it's also something that I'm not going to scoff at this year with the fact where we are with the pandemic slightly coming to them, hopefully. Knock on wood, right? <laughs> uh, Two-night takeover may be excessive, uh, but the two-night WrestleMania thing uh, in a stadium, I'm just curious to see how that looks, you know? We had that experience uh, last year at the Performance Center. This is going to be a totally different vibe this year with it being... Um, at Raymond James Stadium. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how that works and how that goes. So um, I like it. I like it. Who who should Eel Shirai face at TakeOver? No more challengers. I guess we got to figure out like some type of four-way, right? But, hey, Eel confronted Raquel Gonzalez, so it looks like it's going to be hurt. I, I saw Eel confront Raquel last night on NXT, so... Uh, I think it's definitely going to be Raquel Gonzalez. Boy, it would be funny if Te- Tessa Blanchard showed up and feuded with Eel Shirai. How about that? <laughs> uh, last question for Nate, and the last question here for the Good Birds Q&A session this week is, do you ever take mental health days? Um, not as much as I should. Uh, I'll say that. Um Especially this year, especially with this move here to the house and everything with my work schedule has been absolutely insane over the last couple of months. So I'm, I've been really running hard over the last couple of hard, uh, last couple of months. Been running hard and just um, grinding and stuff like that. So I really don't have a lot of time to myself these days. And, um, you know, honestly, I take this day as my mental health day. You know, recording this show for you guys is a great, um, it's a great part of my week. It's my favorite uh, day of the week because I come on here and this is therapy for me. And this is my day to uh, release some bad energy through the podcast. And uh, I can be myself and come on here and shoot the shit with you guys. So, like, I value the days that I have off, the days where I have time to myself, but also... Um, I like to use it in beneficial ways when I do have the time to have that mental health day. Um, are there days where I just want to disconnect from everybody and just do my own thing and not hear from anybody? Sure. That usually happens sometimes on a Saturday where I don't have a pay-per-view to cover. And, you know, <laughs> when you're living on your own and a lot of your friends live out of state and you're not uh, currently tied down in a relationship or anything like that, that just happens to be par for the course. So um, I try, Nate, to find mental health days, but uh, it's all in um, finding the balance and substance between it. I can't force a mental health day. It just has to come as it is. That's why I treat this day as it is. It's a lot of work, you know, recording the show, editing it, uh, 
sharing it on social media, you know, doing the XEK article, you know. It's a lot of stuff going on. I, I woke up this morning at 7 o'clock to do a New Japan Cup show before I recorded the show for you guys today. So, like, um, I'm barely getting any sleep these days. I'm trying my best to find those days where I can decompress. And I, I know I need those, but I think for me, probably be the most beneficial for me and my sanity just to like have like an extended break from the city and um, not like a three-day vacation, stuff like that. That that really does nothing to stimulate your mind. Like I really need like a week or two like out of the city to really like recharge the batteries. I think that's what I need the most. So um, let's see if I can <laughs> make that happen uh, once things simmer down this pandemic. But um, yeah, that. That that'd be my answer to that question, but I want to thank you, Good Bird, for sending the question. Uh, uh, shout out to Chris as well for sending great questions this week. As always, brothers, I appreciate you guys. You can always send me a question at Josh Lopez Media at uh, the Who's Podcast at Gmail dot com or uh, hit me up here on Facebook as well. So I want to thank you guys so much for uh, hanging out with me for this week's edition of the Good Brothers Q&A session. Before we wrap up this week's edition of the Hoots Podcast, I want to let you guys know, coming up on Saturday, we got Impact Wrestling's pay-per-view sacrifice coming up uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, their next big pay-per-view will be on April 24th, which is Rebellion. But I wanted to come on here and go over uh, the card for you guys. It was a little combo segment for you guys this week. Uh, <laughs> let me pull this up really quick. Uh, I think there's nine matches on this show. I could be wrong, but let's see. All right, here we go. We're going to go from bottom to top. Chris Saban and Jay Storm against Violet by Design. I think uh, Chris Saban and Jay Storm found a way to pick up victory there. Eddie Edwards versus Brian Myers in a hold harmless match. I think Brian Myers finds a way to sneak a victory over Eddie Edwards. I got the Decay defeating Reno Scum. Got Havoc in the van defeating Dashwood and Conley. Got the Good Brothers retaining against Finn Juice. I think that'll be a good match. Tasha Shields and Kira Hogan will retain over Jordan Grace and Jazz. Fiona Peraza retains over ODB. Ace Austin defeats TJ Perkins to become your new X-Division champion. And in a title unification match, Rich Juan against Moose for the Impact slash TNA World Heavyweight Championships. Um, I'm going with Rich Juan to beat Moose. And Rich Juan will be the one to fight Kenny Olivier at Rebellion on April 24th. So that's my predictions for Sacrifice. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up for this week's edition of the Hoops Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for checking out the show. And as always, uh, you can check out the podcast free charge every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts. We're two episodes away from episode 250. Very excited for that. Um, I got to do some reaching out to do and see if I can come up with some new editions of the Catching Up series that I've been doing here on the YouTube channel. I like to do some more streams on here since we are in the Good Brothers studio. So be on the lookout for that. And um, two, episode, uh, episode 250 will come on March 25th, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, Bernard Carr will be back here next week uh, with a brand new edition of the Thoughts Derrico. But anyways, you can follow me on Twitter, at Josh Lopez Media, Instagram, at Josh Lopez 94, at Josh Lopez Music. Make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscursive.com. And always remember... 
be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody's dictating the pace of your life but yourself. I love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the new Japan Cup that's going on right now. Enjoy Sacrifice that's coming up on Saturday. And just try to enjoy wrestling for once. I'm Joshy. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. This has been episode 248 of the Who's Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yes, sir.